Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And now, live on 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app, it's Anthony Heron, former NFL defensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye, football analyst for 670 The Score, Fox Sports, Sirius XM, Big Ten Network, and NBC Sports. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. I appreciate you tuning in here this Sunday evening edition, the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. 24-17 was the final score down in NOLA. Bears lose to the New Orleans Saints. Record drops to 2-7 and seven on the season, and I think in the uh, quite a few of your lifetimes you haven't seen the Bears actually win a game at the Superdome. It's been a few decades since that has been the case. Tyson Bajant was, of course, the starting quarterback Yet again today, and he was 18 out of 30 in the game, 220 yards, threw a couple of touchdown passes, had a strong start in the first half, and then three crucial, critical interceptions on the hole in the game. Also a fumble that was lost to the Saints as well. Their quarterback, Derek Carr, 25 out of 34, 211 yards, a couple of touchdown passes for Carr in a game that it kind of seemed like the Saints were, were making every effort possible. Every effort plausible to keep the Bears in this ball game, uh, where I'd say as the second half wore on, kind of the snap by snap evaluation of it started to go more advantage New Orleans. The, the Bears, I thought, controlled a reasonable amount of the action in the first half, but then you know there were decisions in the midst of the game, like you know there's a fourth down in the first half. I believe it took place in the second quarter where. Bears had a, had a fourth and two coming up, and Dennis Allen, one of the old assistant coaches from my time with the Atlanta Falcons, I've known D.A. for for quite a while here until he worked his way up the coaching ranks, became a defensive coordinator and multi-time head coach at this point. He decided it would not be prudent for the Bears to have fourth and two from uh, from the red zone, so he knocked him back to third and 12, and Tyson Bajan used his legs to just narrowly pick up a first down that led to a touchdown for the Bears and, of course, other decisions in the second half. Like, and again, I'm, I'm a little bit old school. I'm a little bit more conservative with some of these things, but got into plus territory in the second half, decided to punt it away. Uh, you know, the opportunity to make it a two-score game in the fourth quarter, opted to go for a fourth and one that the Bears stymied and got the football back. So there was a lot that the Saints did to sort of keep the Bears in the game, but there was so much that the Bears did that was self-inflicted as well another game where penalties were a huge issue for the Bears and that showed up yet again to be something in a one score game the the turnover margin 
which of course is a bit of the a, a big part of the hallmark of what Matt Eberflus tries to sort of build his his program around what he wants this football team to be about is protecting the football, taking the football away, and this another game where the Bears come out on the minus side of the turnover margin, five turnovers in the game for the Bears, zero takeaways in the game for the Bears. And, you know, to say that it's difficult to win when that's the margin would certainly be the understatement of the season here. And we've seen that as a familiar refrain where the Bears are the more penalized team and the Bears are the squad who does not protect the football as well as they are able to take it away. And so the Saints come out with a, a one-score win, 24-17. to 17. Overall, the third down efficiency, Bears were 6 out of 12. On third down, Saints were 7 out of 14. And the total amount of plays run was fairly even, 64-62, to 62, with the Bears having a slight edge there. And, of course, a number of position groups that I think many of us had a close watch on in the game. Tyson Bajant, his performance, I'll be able to get into that with you throughout the evening here. And certainly the defensive line, the defensive front, after adding Montez Sweat into the mix and what that looked like throughout the game. We'll talk about all that with you here as I take you up to Sunday night football coverage here on 670 Score. Cincinnati Bengals will be hosting the Buffalo Bills. A couple of three-loss teams. Bengals have really turned their season around as of late as Joe Burrow has started to look more and more healthy getting into the flow of the season here. The Bengals will be at home, Buffalo on the road, and uh, we'll get that cover started here in just over – an hour. We'll get your phone calls in as well at 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. I see the phone lines lit up already. I see Dennis. I see Brandon. I see Jim and others on hold right now. So I will certainly get to some of you here before I take my first time out. But just some of my overall thoughts on what I witnessed in the game today. Really like the way that the Bears came out offensively. I know from an analytical perspective to – to take the football first, as has become a bit of the habit for Matt Eberflus. It's, it's not something you see much of the league doing, certainly not consistently at this point, but it's become the, the consistent way that Eberflus has operated here. And I'd say more often than not, it's worked out all right. And when you think about it, the Bears' offense has been, in, in a lot of games, has been at its best early. They've been at their best on offense in you know the, the scripted portion of things. And so to be able to start fast, and be the team that takes the football first and puts some points on the board. I kind of get that. Uh, Even though analytically you'd like to be the team who gets the opportunity to double up, maybe get a two-for-one where you finish the first half with the ball and then you get the ball first in the second half because you went ahead and kicked it away to the opponent. That's normally what that thought process would be. It seems to me that Eberflew's making that decision to when he has the opportunity to take the football first. I think part of that is just feeling like, you know what, our offense has actually operated pretty well, whether we have started – the game with the football or uh, just whenever our first series comes up is when more often than not the Bears offense has been at its best and then uh, things can taper off a bit as the game wears on. So he's at least taken that opportunity to say, well, you know, if we get the ball first, let's put that offense on the field. He did it with Justin Fields uh, in in some of Justin's final few starts before his injury, and he's done it with Tyson Bajan in his starts here as well. And so you at least give the Bears, give your team, as Matt Eberflus sees it, I would imagine his thought is we get the opportunity to take the lead in a game, which has not been the Bears' strong suit to get leads in ball games, but they've been better early on offense than they have late. So let's get the offense rolling. We're good within the script. Maybe we have a lead when the defense takes the field. And then now 
you also have the opportunity, the possibility for your defense to take the field with a little more confidence, with, with a little more urgency that they're playing with because they're actually taking the field with a lead. That's not something the Bears defense has had the opportunity to do that frequently. So I don't mind the, the idea of just going ahead and taking the football first to mix things up a little bit and just see you know, if you build confidence early in the game because your offense can give you a lead early on. The game plan, the game calling for the Bears offense, I liked a lot of what they ended up showing in the first half. Now, you know, it's aggressive, opening up and empty as they did, and the Bears utilized with a rookie quarterback making his third career start, second one on the road in a really hostile environment. But they're showing trust in Tyson Bajan to go empty as frequently as the Bears have gone empty with Bajan. And from that perspective of, of him being in the gun, seeing things quickly and getting the football out of his hands. And for a guy at this stage in his development, I think Tyson Bajan has handled that pretty well. On the whole, it's a game I feel like the Bears' offensive line performed at a high level against that, that veteran Saints front seven. I'll get into some more detail on that here. But when they were in empty, for the most part, it wasn't a game where Tyson Bajan got punished very much. It was a game that the Bears ran the football effectively, protected the quarterback effectively, and you saw Tyson Bajan, especially early, definitively in the first half, getting the ball out of his hands decisively and accurately. I like the way that the pocket moved quite a bit early in that game, in the first half of that game. And the second half, in my opinion, was a a different story. And Luke Getze did become more pocket-based in his approach offensively. And the volume of passes, I thought, upticked more and more in a game that never at any point got away from the Bears, but it did seem like perhaps the Bears got away from the run game a bit more than – than what was necessary here. And then once that became the case, the Saints secondary really capitalized on that against a young quarterback, throwing into tighter windows as they began to mix and, and match coverages in the second half. And I thought we the Saints showed the Bears some man coverage looks in half number one. Uh, but I'd say there was, you know, there was a blend throughout the game. And you were able to do that against a, a secondary like New Orleans when when you have that level of experience throughout the Saints defense. It's an older defense that that can bait young quarterbacks. And we saw them baiting Tyson Bajan throughout this game. The opposing quarterback completion percentage, opposing quarterback passer rating, they've been amongst the best in football throughout the season without having some sort of a dominant blitz package. And so, you know, Bears fans who talk constantly about, hey, why don't we blitz more? It is possible to play defense in the NFL and do so at a high level without having some overwhelming blitz package. You do need to be able to rush the quarterback. The Saints, frankly, are not some overwhelming individual pass rush team either. Now, when the the game action dictates it, and we saw today where the Bears' pass protection held up really well throughout most of the game, but then when they were trailing, and it was only trailing by a score, but in the fourth quarter, as you could feel the tenor of the game starting to shift, and there were some opportunities that Dennis Allen took advantage of to punt and pin the Bears and field position dictated that the Saints defense was able to play downhill at the Bears more often, especially in the fourth quarter of the game, then that's where there were more penalties for the Bears in the last quarter and a half, and the Bears' pass protection began to struggle more over the last quarter and a half. And sure, that, that's where you certainly want a team to be at their best, and you know you would hope that they would look exactly the same as they did through two and a half quarters or through three full quarters. That wasn't the case. And the the game action ended up dictating that there was there was more 
more urgency for from the Saints defense, and I thought that showed up in the fourth quarter where that veteran pass rush began to heat things up, and you had a veteran secondary start to show more looks to a young quarterback as they switch things up and match things in different ways, and then as decisive and as rhythmic, as quick a release as Tyson Bajant has become known for in a very brief Bears career, we saw a guy that started to pat the football a little bit more in the fourth quarter of the game today. And then once that happened, the pass rush started to get home. And it wasn't like the Saints defensive line was just winning clean off the snap. But, yeah, maybe you stymie the guy from that initial block from the Bears' pass protection. But as Bajant pats the ball, holds it a little bit, he's not taking off running and hurting the defense with his legs as much in the second half of that game like he did in half number one. And so all those things began to, to coalesce. We saw Saints defense take advantage of a young quarterback. And, and as Tyson Bajan held the ball, tried to deliver it, was a bit late on those last couple of interceptions and certainly behind receivers on those last couple of interceptions. And that's the thing where, you know, the, the physical attributes of Tyson Bajan, it's fair for those to be a part of his evaluation. But by comparison to some of his, I guess I'll call them contemporaries, not an experience, but, you know, a guy like Gardner Minshew who's bounced around to a couple of different teams at this point, but has had moments and had flashes and Minshew mania, just just like when I was calling his games and he was a quarterback at Washington State who was a journeyman college quarterback and had an opportunity to transfer to Alabama but and, and be potentially a backup there, decided not to do that, went to Washington State instead and had a record-setting senior season at Washington State. And then through his NFL career so far, when he's been in the lineup, he's been kind of a fan favorite type of guy because his storyline is one that we can all get behind that's that's you know that's endearing in a lot of ways it's kind of this you know this guy's sort of swimming against the grain swimming upstream because there are some physical limitations there but physically there's not anything that Gardner Minshew is capable of on the football field that Tyson Bajant is you know isn't capable of either I'd say you know as far as arm strength and mobility there's some similarities between the two guys so in the end it's not like Tyson Bajant not having Matthew Stafford's arm or, frankly, not having Justin Fields' arm. That, that's, not the, that's not the main thing that would limit his ability to succeed in the NFL. But there is a ceiling to, to what he should be able to be expected to do. And so, you know, for anyone who, who feels demoralized or dejected by the performance of Tyson Bajant, you know, I, I, just, I think your perspective is probably lacking for what you would expect, one, from a guy who is a rookie making his third career start and doing so in one of the more hostile environments in the National Football League, but then also a guy who does have some of those physical limitations. But again, I wouldn't say that the, the, the minimal arm strength of Tyson Bajant, the, the average arm strength of Tyson Bajant, that's not the only thing that would limit his ability to succeed at the NFL level. But because it places a bit of a ceiling on the Bears' passing attack and what it can be, Everything around Tyson Bajant has to operate at such a high level. He's got to be ahead of the opposing defense mentally. And that's difficult to sustain even for veteran QBs. I was telling you the numbers that the Saints defense is able to, to do and that they've been in making life difficult on virtually every passing attack they face this season. That's veteran and rookie alike. And so for Tyson Bajant, if he's late on a throw, he doesn't have the arm strength to really drive it into that tight window late in the way that some other quarterbacks, if they're confused or a bit indecisive or late on a throw, but then they can kind of get away with that because they're going to drive it in there late. 
he doesn't necessarily have that luxury to do that in the same way that some other quarterbacks do. That's the type of thing where arm strength ends up mattering. We'll see, you know, if he's playing this coming Thursday night. I haven't checked the weather report for what's expected here in Chicago come Thursday night, but if he starts again at Soldier Field on Thursday and you have blustery or windy or chilly conditions, then that's going to be something else that really tests the arm strength of Tyson Bajan for for how the weather conditions. You know, it's one thing to be in a dome today and to be late against that playmaking secondary, and that showed up. But then if it's Soldier Field, even if he's early, but it is more difficult conditions to throw the football in, that's where that matters. But that's where, as he goes back, and he was talking about it postgame, needing to go back, study the film, study his mechanics, study his decision-making, because if he's ahead of the opposing defense, then that's where you can throw it early into that same window that Darnell Mooney ended up presenting himself to Tyson Bajenton if he's throwing that football early into that window before Mooney has made his break, before defenders have had their opportunity to drive on that route, then that's a different story. That's a different deal. But that's where Tyson Bajan has to be elite mentally and, frankly, has to be elite emotionally because you could tell as the game wore on and it got into the latter stages of the third quarter and certainly into the fourth quarter and you have the, the opposing offense now seems like they're building momentum and driving the football and putting points on the board and your pass protection starting to struggle a bit more and their crowd at times where you're backed up, the volume in the Superdome really becoming more and more of a factor. All those things require him to be. And again, I, I do think his poise continues to show up in these moments, but it's a different deal. When the game is nearing cold crush depth and, and you can tell that the opponent now seemingly has the upper hand on you, he's got to be that much more sharp, that much more crisp, that much more poised, and that's a lot to ask for a rookie quarterback. And so that's where those things show up. Maybe that same guy who was running around in the first half of the game, moving the chains with his legs and, and flashing the first down symbol, there were some opportunities for him in the second half where the game is still tight, where it's still a one-score game that he's in the midst of, where as opposed to patting the ball in the pocket, maybe it would have served him better to tuck it and run and just move the chains in that way as opposed to trying to fit it late into tight windows as coverages are being matched. And, you know, we, we saw the Saints do, do that at a higher level in third and certainly in, in the fourth quarter of the game in confusing a young quarterback and pass protection that held up at a higher level through the first two and a half or three quarters began to struggle a bit more in that game as well. And so, you know, it's not a, to me, it's not a Tyson versus Justin scenario here with how this should be viewed, how it made sense to view this. I view Tyson Bajan exactly the same way as I sit here right now, as I did in those few series he got against the Minnesota Vikings. I think he's a guy who, yes, has some physical limitations, but has enough physical attributes to succeed at the NFL level. But there certainly is a ceiling to what that success can look like unless everything is crisp and precise around him. And like we saw in that, that game against the Raiders, where the offensive line is just dominated by the Chicago Bears on each line of scrimmage. And you got guys, all that run after catch in the first half. Think about that play where he threw to Darnell Mooney, threw it a little bit behind Mooney, and then he takes it and turns up field and runs for another 40 yards. Like when that's the case for Tyson Bajant, you, you can operate in that way. You can win that way in the National Football League, but it does ask for a lot. You're going to have double-digit play drives where you can't pick up penalties to sit yourself behind the chains. You can't have drops where you are now going to be at second and 10 as opposed to second and two 
everything around you has to operate at a really high level if you don't have a quarterback who's out there sort of multiplying and putting that that pressure on the defense either with his arm and or his legs and doing that at a high level consistently. And that's where, you know, some of the the frailties of, of the rest of the team in their execution end up showing up at a much, much higher level. 312-644-6767. Like I mentioned, I'm definitely going to talk some things about the Bears' defense, some positives and negatives as well. But let me get a couple of callers in here before I take my first time out. We've had Dennis, who's been very patient, wanted to give his thoughts on where things sit right now. Dennis is out in Minneapolis. Dennis, what's happening? You're on the Post Post Show. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Mr. Aaron. Uh, just, just giving a call. I, you know, I, you, you, touched, you touched on it a little bit with uh, – uh, with with some of the play calling and some of the stuff that's done, I I, I think my the, the reason for the call is I I just believe that Getsy has a hard time sticking to script when he's doing things when things are going well for the offense, the the abandoning the run, um, and this goes with Bajan and Fields, but but keeping these guys in the pocket all the time, it just is seemingly a, a repetitive thing um, over this past year and a half. And, I, you know, I, I, just, I just think the Bears, I think even Foose just made a bad call but bringing him in. Um, they, of course, there's some, there's some things that have worked well, but I just don't think he, I don't think he, he goes about um, sticking to things that are working. And, and, and it just ends up hurting the offense in the end. You know, just this, this game here, just after the first two interceptions, why do you uh, keep allowing, not that, Bajan shouldn't have been throwing the ball some, but why do you keep having him sit in the pocket and, 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 and try to try to find receivers and sticking in in tight spots instead of, you know, running running Roshan and running Foreman um, when that's actually working? It just it seemingly to me just he ends up get, getting out of script, and I don't know if he's just so overconfident in himself, thinking that some of these pass plays that he draws up are, are, are going to win, but it's seemingly over his career, it hasn't worked. And we're seemingly in the same position where quarterbacks can't find open receivers because it's looking like we're seeing the same things all over again. And there's no um, creative design within within some of his plays. And, and, it's, and, and defenses know how we line up, what routes are going to be run, and, and it, they're just covered. I just wanted to hear your, 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 your opinions on that. I really appreciate it, Dennis. I think it's a it's a good call. It's one of those things I've been talking about a lot between last season and even this season. It was one thing last year where Luke Getze began to, after they came out of the mini-buy and Justin begins running around all over the place. And I think there there is certainly still a place for QB run within the Bears' offense. I was even referencing it earlier this season while I'm on every Monday with, uh, with Bernstein and Holmes. And after that first game where I told – Lawrence and Dan that that I felt like Matt Eberflus needed to have a, a hard conversation with Luke Getze and be very specific, very definitive with trying to figure out what did you see last season that worked well for our offense? What do you believe will work well for our offense this season? And if that was it in game one, then we need to figure some other stuff out. But I think there was tangible evidence last year for calling Justin Fields into movement and how that impacted things. But calling a quarterback into movement the QB run game is not the only way to do that. And we've seen examples of that. Today was a great example of that with Tyson Bajan. Now, what I liked about it in the first half of the game, we saw a good amount of zone read with Tyson Bajan. And he was able to, you know, and on those zone reads and some of those keepers off the zone read, he was able to attack the Saints defense in doing that and moving the chains with his legs and keep their defense off balance. 
it wasn't putting touchdowns on the board like it might have the potential to do with Justin Fields on some of those keepers and zone reads, but it's still impactful. It still takes the starch out of the opposing pass rush when you have a quarterback that can be impactful with his legs. And, you know, I was telling Dan and Lawrence his last week, like he's, he's Tyson Bajan isn't some statue in the pocket. He's mobile enough to be a threat as a part of the ground attack. But you don't need to call a bunch of QB run with him. But what Luke Getze also did much more so in the first half of the game, to Dennis's point, than in the second half, was the pocket moved. There were a bunch of times where misdirection was utilized and sprint action and boot action was utilized. Just look at the very first touchdown pass to Cole Komet on the tight end throwback, where he initially, Cole Komet shows himself as a blocker to the play side. Tyson Bajant runs bootleg, you know, fakes the run play, fakes the stretch play to the front side, and then boots out quickly to the back. And as soon as he whips his shoulders around, he gets his eyes to the throwback to Komet. And Cole Komet is matched up one-on-one. Like, the Saints actually covered it well. Tyron Matthew knew exactly what was coming. But then, to Tyson Bajan's credit, he gave his mammoth tight end an opportunity to go up and moss a smaller defensive back, even one of the better defensive backs in football throughout the scope of his career. And Tyron Matthew, formerly, a.k.a. the Honey Badger. But Cole Komet did what I've really been hoping for Cole Komet to do more frequently in his career because he's not a guy who separates well. From coverage, He's not one of these guys who's, who's very slippery in and out of his breaks and sudden in and out of his routes. And so he doesn't separate from defensive backs that much. The Bears really tend to need to scheme Cole Komet into big play opportunities. Now, once he gets the football, because of his size and his straight-line speed, he is difficult to tackle. But that was actually an opportunity in the end zone where Cole Komet went up in a 50-50 scenario and just made a contested grab. That's a great thing for the Bears offense to see that. And then when you see that from Cole Komet early in the game, you saw other opportunities where Cole Komet was plucking the ball with his hands. He's very inconsistent with that, but I loved seeing that, not only on that individual play from Cole Komet, but throughout the game, him reaching out and snatching the football with his hands because seemingly his confidence in his hands has waned, has ebbed and flowed a bit at various points in his career. I thought that first touchdown pass was a great example of some of that misdirection that Luke Getze utilizes at times. And I wish more of that would have been called, would have been seen, would have been used in the second half of the ball game as opposed to the pocket becoming more stationary. And that's something that Luke Getze has been guilty of time and time again. Let's sneak another caller in here at 312-644-6767 before I take my first time out. Let's see Brandon out there in Keysburg. Brandon, what's happening, man? You're on the Post Post Show. Hey, what's up, Big Ann? How you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Good, man. Uh, first, want to comment on the elephant in the room, which is this Bayless Jones Jr. <laughs> uh, this guy cannot hold on to the ball no matter what, man. He's caused more turnovers than both quarterbacks. And When are we going to flush the toilet on this guy, number one? And uh, the Bajant and Fields, man, I tell you what, this Bajant kid, he is this lightning, man. He's lightning on the field, and it's his third game on the field. And it's taken three years for Fields to, you know, to get this good. And uh, this Bajan's right up there, man. A couple more uh, games, he's going to be right up there on the, on the top spot. So I think let's give this kid a chance. All right, I appreciate the call, Brandon. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. I like Tyson Bajan. I do. I like him a lot, and I've been pretty pretty consistent uh, with with that thought process there. I'll, I'll to address your Valus Jones point initially. You know, because I on the whole. I'm I'm far more patient with personnel transactions and and patient with the potential development arc 
I'm, I'm confident I'm more patient than most of you out there listening right now. But even, you know, with certain teams and individuals and from a personnel perspective, and Vegas Jones was the very first offensive draft pick of the Ryan Poles era. But I would say even the the energy from Matt Eberflus after the game indicated to me, and we, we heard this at, at one point last season after there were multiple muffed punts from Valus Jones in game, where, you know, Matt Eberflus wasn't necessarily giving much, much deference to Valus Jones with the way he addressed things at a certain point last year. And I felt like today when asked about Valus Jones post game, where I don't remember who, who exactly it was, who sort of almost gave Eberflus an out in the way that they phrased the question. It might have been uh, Jason Leisure who, who perhaps was asking it, but uh, there were you know, a number of media members there. And one of the Valus Jones question afterwards was basically the, the way the question was framed was kind of like, hey, you know, do you, you know, is that a tough spot for Valus to be in? Or is there a coaching point on some of those things on the face mask penalty that, that he had there? It seemed like it might have been kind of close. And Eberflus was like, no, nah, we're, we're, we're veterans. We're, we're in the National Football League. We're NFL players. They got it right. He grabbed the face mask, and we can't do that. And he, he was very definitive in that. And that, to me, indicated to me that, that perhaps the, the – I suppose I'll use the word patience, at least the perception internally of Valus Jones may be adjusting a bit. My guy Alex Coon here, he's got that cut of Eberflus specifically addressing Valus Jones. Can you get an explanation on the, on the, on the Valus flag? Um, the, the face- yeah, it was a face mask. He grabbed it. It was, it was, uh, it was face mask. Yeah, it was uh, Patrick Finley. That, that's who I know that voice anywhere. Uh, Finley was the one who asked that question of Eberflus specifically about Valus Jones. And, and that, to me, was a more, a more terse type of response from Flus about Valus Jones. You know, he, he didn't say anything awful about him, but it was just very, very definitive. Like, no, we, we, we got to be better than that, essentially, is what that sounded like to me. And that sounds like a coach who is at a point, and I would imagine an organization that is getting to a point where – the physical attributes of Valus Jones are obvious when he receives and maintains control of the football. The issue is him receiving and maintaining control of the football. And, you know, the tunnel screen that happened before that, there was a very near fumble. But, you know, fortunately for Valus Jones, the defender was able to knock it away before he actually had made a full possession of the football. So it didn't end up, it didn't end up being ruled a fumble that the Saints recovered, it just ended up being ruled a drop by Valus Jones. So I would agree with that point. Um, the, I'll, I'll take a timeout and I'll come back and I'll address the other point about Tyson Bajant that the caller had a moment ago. And I'm certainly curious to hear your thoughts out there about it as well. And I see the other callers are on hold here at 312-644-6767. I'm taking you up to a football Monday. You can tune in all day Monday for reaction to Bears versus Saints. Gabe Ramirez will be live overnight from 12 to 5 a.m., followed by Mully and Hall, Bernstein and Holmes, and Parkinson Spiegel throughout your workday. So hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank, and it's not a game, Illinois.com. All of it, it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. I want to respond to something, though, that that, that caller, the last caller, I agree with the Valus Jones point. I, I would add some context uh, to the the Tyson Bajant point. I'm curious for your thoughts here because I know a lot of you were extremely, we're so excited about Tyson Bajant after that start he made against the Raiders. And, you know, things have certainly come back down to earth a bit. But curious for what you think about the young Bears rookie backup QB who's made three starts. And in my opinion, I think we'll, we'll have every opportunity to make another start on Thursday Night Football coming up here on a short week. 
312-644-6767. I'm Anthony Heron, taking you up to Sunday Night Football coverage right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. You know, really the story of the day, right, is just the takeaways. You know, uh, you can't, it's hard to win. You know, the league's uh, pretty even, you know, um, in most spots. And it's hard to win uh, when you have minus five. And, uh, again, that's a, that's a whole team thing, right? It's us protecting it, us protecting the quarterback, um, us getting on defense, and us doing a better job there, uh, taking the ball away on D. So, again, that's re- really where the story was. Again, I, I uh, love the fight of the guys uh, at the end there. Defense gave us a chance at the very end with those stops that we had. And with the missed field goal that they had. I agree, Flus. It's Barrett's coach, Matt Eberflus, talking about how awful it is to turn the football over five times in a game. Yes, I agree, Flus. It's bad. Makes it really difficult to win a football game, especially when you get no takeaways for your squad either. So that was a, that was a rough go of it that the Bears had in the turnover margin. I wonder what the all-time record is for a team who's had five turnovers and zero takeaways in a game. It's got to be over. But I, I don't know. Somebody out there, go ahead and uh, hit it up on the text line at 312-644-6767. Or maybe if you're a research maven and you want to call in, you can do that. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Uh, so the last caller, the, I addressed the Valus Jones aspect of, of his call. I wanted to, to save a moment for Tyson Bajan, though, because you don't need to do this to yourself. You don't really need to do it to Tyson Bajan either. Uh, you know, I think Tyson Bajan probably likes and enjoys, appreciates those who believe in him, and that, that's a it's a great spot to be in. But you know, we we've seen this before, where uh, I've used the the Jay Cutler example, where towards the end of Jay Cutler's career, whether it was Brian Hoyer or Jimmy Clausen or Matt Barkley, where as Jay started to get banged up in his final seasons with the Bears, and we'd see the backup come in. And y'all was just tired of looking at Jay Cutler as the quarterback for the Bears. So anybody who came in and got some first downs going or completed some passes and just kind of looked differently and moved differently than Jay, it's like, all right, this is the guy. Jay is awful 
I don't know what the Bears ever signed that guy for. This is the future. Brian Hoare is the future. Matt Barkley is trending on Twitter because this is the future of the Josh Bears McCown. at quarterback. Yes, Alex. Cole. Josh McCown, future of the Bears at quarterback because y'all was just tired of looking at Jay Cutler. You don't have to do this to Tyson Bajan. You don't have to do this to yourself. I'm a Tyson Bajan guy. I like Tyson Bajan. Tyson Bajan is ahead of the curve. For anybody who's an undrafted rookie quarterback starting in the National Football League and able to operate at the level that he's operating at is extremely impressive. But it is also worthwhile to view this in context without without presuming that he is the, the future of the Bears or just because you're tired of looking at Justin Fields halfway through his third season that, that you presume or, or use terms like electric when you're describing Tyson Bajan and his lateral passing attack. Electric is not an adjective I would use to describe Tyson Bajan, but I'm, I'm not going to tell you you can't do it, but you don't have to. Is my point. 312-644-6767. So you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on clock. I see Jim out there. I see Colin out there. I see Jesse out there. And we'll get a bunch of other callers in. When I come back at the top of the six o'clock hour, we're taking you all the way up to Sunday night football. So this is the final commercial break that I have. We'll make sure we get our calls in at 312-644-6767. I'm I'm saying this for you. I'm helping you out there is my goal here. Because I am also excited by what the Bears have in Tyson Bajan as the potential like future game manager, backup quarterback guy. Those guys are important. Tyson Bajan has shown that he can be an important part of the Bears' future. And maybe, I'm not going to put a ceiling on him, maybe he can go beyond that as well. Electric is not a word I would use to describe Tyson Bajan. Tune in all day Monday for reaction to Bears vs. Saints. Gabe Ramirez will be live overnight from 12 to 5 a.m., followed by Mullion Hall, Bernstein and Holmes, and Parkinson Spiegel throughout your workday. So hang on. Hang out with us on the Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank at It's Not a Game, Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. That is your Football Monday here on The Score. This is going to be my last time out. Then I will take you all the way up to Sunday Night Football coverage between the Bengals and the Bills right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I think it was all on me, uh, just, you know, forcing a couple plays there. And then, um, you know, you can't can't afford to take plays off in NFL uh, because they come back to bite you. So got to be sharp on every play. We're back live with more Anthony Harris on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I like Tyson Bajan. I do. Like him a lot. But I'm keeping him in context. I'm just advising the rest of you to do so as well. 312-644-6767. So post post show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm Anthony Heron, taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here. Got my guy Alex Kuhn on the ones and twos with me as we get you set for Cincinnati and Buffalo. That game will be heard right here on the score. But up until that point, we got the phone lines hot at 312-644-6767. Let me start off with some calls. I can react to some of the calls and then get in, uh, back into some of my other opinions as well. I haven't talked about Montez sweating the Bears' defense very much. I don't want to make sure I get some of that in as well. But we've had some folks on the lines being very, very patient, some in the city, some in the state, some out of state as well. Let's go to Jim, who is in North Carolina. Going to raise up, Jim. What's hey, happening? How you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, I've been a transplant from the Midwest. I've been a Bears fan since 64. And uh, I've watched a bunch of the uh, college games with the North Carolina quarterback and the USC quarterback, and I don't see either one of them as being an improvement over Justin Fields. I'd much rather see us get uh, three or four first-rounders by trading down and building a team around him. Three or four first-rounders. See, that would be a, that would be an interesting haul. I, I think I'm not – you know, I don't study these. And thank you very much for the call, Jim. appreciate you listening from North Carolina. Uh, I'm not – I'm not certain what the hall would be for Justin Fields at this point. You know, the Bears right now, they know they would have his rights for at least one more season. He's you know just over halfway through his third year right now with the ball club. They will have him at least have his rights for at least through the fourth season. There will be a decision to make this offseason whether or not they would pick up the fifth-year option on Justin Fields as well. If that happens, then whomever they would trade him to potentially – whether or not they would like to have one more season of his rights or two more seasons of contract control. I would imagine those things factor into it as well, but I don't, you know, three first round picks and this sort of stuff, you know, I, I don't know whether or not Justin Fields would bring that sort of a haul, but I, I do know that, you know, coming into the Minnesota game, we saw back to back games of Luke Getze and frankly, in an offensive scheme that was very similar to what we saw today. What we've seen, I think, in multiple games with Tyson Bajan at quarterback, the Raiders game is one that stands out as well, where where misdirection and pocket movement were constant. And it, I really feel like the Bears' offense got away from that in the second half of the game today. And, you know, you don't have to have a quarterback who's as mobile as Justin Fields to be able to call the QB into movement. And that was certainly on display 
in the first half of the game today. They ran zone read a bunch with Tyson Bajan. He was able to move the chains. He was able to keep that veteran Saints defense off balance. And they were able to utilize misdirection and pocket movement with a quarterback who's able to, to be mobile enough to showcase that and do so effectively. And it led to first downs and touchdowns. I talked through in detail that opening touchdown pass that Bajan on the tight end throwback that he threw to Cole Komet as Cole Komet ran across the field there and, and was able to win a contested ball, a jump ball against Tyron Matthew. Loved the play design there. It worked out really well for the Bears in the red zone. Got away from it in the second half. But to me, that offensive game plan, very similar to what I feel like Luke Getze did against Denver, against Washington, some QB run, some sprint, some boot, some misdirection with playmakers, you know, guys on jet sweeps and faking jet sweeps and bodies all over the place and having a quarterback on the move. And seeing the way that Tyson Bajant was able to exploit that with his level of mobility, just picture what what that game plan would have, could have looked like with Justin Fields constantly being called into that level of movement that we saw in the first half of the Bears game tonight or earlier today. And versus what it looked like with Tyson Bajan. And again, like I, I agree with the caller who was talking now. I don't agree with the word electric. I wouldn't use that to describe Tyson Bajan and what we've seen from him. But I do agree that I'm willing to grade Tyson Bajan on a curve because he's a rookie quarterback, three starts into his NFL career. Where the Bears are at right now, though, when you look at this franchise as a whole and where it needs to be understood that Justin Fields will go back in. Now, if Tyson Bajan would have just been out here lighting it up game after game and the Bears were winning and things were rolling with him, then I, I don't think they feel committed enough to Justin Fields at this point where we would presume I, I'm not confident they wouldn't have pulled Tyson Bajant if he was lighting it up and the team as a whole was doing great with him at quarterback. That's not the case. I think he has been impressive for an undrafted rookie three starts into his NFL career. I, I Certainly, I'm willing to say I've been impressed by Tyson Bajant. Team as a whole continues to lose games, and he's turned the ball over a lot. My main concern after seeing those few series that Tyson Bajant got against the Minnesota Vikings was a willingness to be what I would term as careless with the football. And I don't necessarily even think that I wouldn't define the the interceptions and the strip sack that we saw today as careless, but we do see a Tyson Bajant that has had a lot of turnovers in his limited action so far. Justin Fields had a bunch of turnovers too. Difference is Justin Fields was a first-round pick. Justin Fields is a commodity that they have a big decision to make on over the offseason here. And also Justin Fields – has, for understandable reasons, shown a much exponentially higher ceiling than Tyson Bajan has shown up to this point. And the Bears are still in an evaluation phase, not only with the quarterback, but with this roster as a whole. And so when Justin Fields is healthy, whether that's this coming Thursday, which I would still be surprised if that's the case, even though he's out there throwing soft toss, you know, on Friday, and it's nice, the media's out there, they can see that, they can look at it. Dude dislocated his thumb on his throwing hand, popped it back into place, and it's nice to see that his thumb is becoming functional. I will be very surprised if Justin Fields is able to start or even play this coming Thursday night against the Carolina Panthers. Following game, though, further removed from that, I think that's going to make sense. I I believe there's, of course, a much better chance he'll be physically capable of it, and I believe it will make more sense for both Justin Fields and the Bears at that point You'll be 10 games into the season after you get through Thursday Night Football, which means you will have seven games remaining. It'll be a vital 
seven games for Justin Fields. At that point, hopefully he'll be as, as healthy as he can be by then, but you'll have a seven-game stretch that remains in the regular season for him to perform potentially at, at the highest level he's capable of. What I think will be vital, will be important, is for the same style of offense that we saw in the first half today, same style of offense that we saw against Denver and Washington that completely went away against Minnesota. And as great as our media is, I really wish I even said this in transition, uh, you know, co- coming out of that Vikings game uh, I was in, I was whoever I filled in with on, on Monday, so you're doing transition with the afternoon show, I was hoping someone in the media, when the opportunity came to specifically address Luke Getze about the game plan against Minnesota and Kevin Fishbane, fishy business himself, wrote an article in The Athletic about the, the game plan and the way the pocket moved and how much time was spent for Justin Fields being called into movement against both Denver and Washington and how that completely went away against Minnesota. And it's, it's the same. It feels repetitive because it's the same thing, the same refrain that I've been repeating for two years with Luke Getze as the offensive play caller here with Justin Fields as his quarterback and just the personnel on the whole, we saw what that looked like against Denver and Washington. And then it became very pocket based against Minnesota. Justin Fields didn't handle that well. And Tyson Bajan, even though he is at this point in his development, he gets the ball out more quickly, more rhythmically than Justin Fields does. He's more decisive than Justin Fields is with a much lower ceiling in doing that. He's got a quicker release. He's more decisive when he does it. And that's great because that's who he has to be to have a chance at success as a quarterback. And he knows who he is. I think that's a great thing for Tyson Bajan. The Bears offense, though, for it to put a bunch of touchdowns on the board, like we've seen them put a bunch of touchdowns on the board when Justin Fields has been in at QB. And that, to me, is where Matt Eberflus, with, I would say, his time as Bears coach is on the line right now. As much as that last seven games is going to mean for Justin Fields, what remains of this season will go a long way in determining whether or not Matty Refuse gets an opportunity to continue as Bears head coach. I don't know what discussions have been had with Luke Getze about the offensive game plan up to this point. I'm confident they meet about it on a consistent basis, but whether it is Bajant and comparing the first half of, of today's offense versus the second half, or if it's when Justin Fields is in there and comparing the games where Justin Fields has looked most comfortable and been at his best versus the games where he has not, it is painfully obvious When the passing attack is pocket-based, that is not where Justin Fields thrives. When the pocket is on the move, when he is called into movement, that is where Justin Fields can show how special he can be. And he still will have to prove he can execute that at a high level on a consistent basis for the Bears to look at maybe picking up the fifth-year option and considering a long-term investment and everything else. But the Bears' offensive play caller, Luke Getze, is a big part of that equation as well. And whether it's Fields or Bajan, that is where Getzey has to show more consistency in the way that he calls the game. 312-644-6767. Let's get back out to the phone lines here on the Post Post Show. Jesse is out in Cali on the left coast. Jesse, what's happening? Hey, Mr. Heron. Thanks for taking my call. I enjoy uh, listening to your spin on things. You're good at what you do. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm calling, I'm calling um, to talk about our roster, and I was wondering what your thoughts are or if you trust our organization's ability to identify and evaluate good football players. It's hard for me to, to see anyone on our roster, almost at any position, consistently winning our 1v1 matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, when we need to make a play, nobody's making plays. And um, also, over the last few years of losing, 
I feel like this organization has developed a dysfunctional reputation. And how is that going to affect our ability to be an attractive uh, spot for free agents? You know, especially with Ryan Poles, he seems to be playing hardball, uh, even with the players that are up for contracts or are coming up, you know, and I'm just wondering how that's going to play out. Um, I'll hang up and listen. I appreciate you taking my call. I really like these questions you pose here, Jesse. Um, so to the, the the concept of the Bears roster and, and where it's at right now, so the positions where where the Bears have guys who who I feel show that they can like they can win their one-on-one matchup. I think there are several players in the secondary that I believe have that that potential to show like an elite level of play, a high level of play. Somebody who you say All right, that this this individual is matched up with the guy across from him, and I think they legitimately have a chance to consistently win that matchup and and maybe do so at a high level on a consistent basis. Really like what Kyler Gordon brings to the table in that regard. Certainly still a young football player, but he, he's got exceptional potential there. And we see him both as a run defender, as a pass defender. Like there was a, a stretch of the game where on back-to-back plays, Kyler Gordon comes up and he's essentially an outside linebacker. The Bears were in sub, sub meaning kind of their nickel and dime personnel with no Tremaine Edmonds in the lineup today. I thought we would see even more Noah Sewell than we saw. We mainly saw Noah Sewell in some short yardage scenarios, but part of that is because the Bears feel comfortable with the versatility they get from the guy who Matt Eberflus has become calling, uh, begun calling Spider-Man and Kyler Gordon. So there was back-to-back plays where he was essentially an outside linebacker, being the force-contained defender, being the edge setter against the run, came up and smacked the run right in the grill on a, on a first down play. And then a couple of snaps later on a third down play, he's covering Chris Olave. And as far as straight line speed, there's very few receivers in football who can fly like Chris Olave in his second year in the National Football League. And Kyler Gordon, first down, boom, smacking the run in the grill and getting that for no gain. And then a couple of plays later, they need to get off the field on third down. And Kyler Gordon is just running stride for stride up the sideline with Chris Olave on a ball that sails out of bounds. So I really like Kyler Gordon. Really like Jaquan Brisker and what he brings to the table. We've seen so much from Jalen Johnson, and he, he's a guy who deserves to be paid like one of the better corners in football. You know, like where I, when I was talking about Roquan, my thought was I, if, if Roquan's going to reset the market as an off-ball linebacker, I didn't have a big issue with that because I did feel like Roquan had just shown that level of, of performance and productivity there. Personally, I view Jalen as being just a, a small step behind that just in, in what I evaluate as his true snap-by-snap production. And production, I'm not just talking statistical. I just mean just sort of what the caller mentions there. Jesse mentions, like, who's winning their one-on-one matchups on a consistent basis. I would say Jalen, he's not as, I think, as elite of the elite, as 1% of the 1% as I feel like Roquan is, but he plays a more premium position. So that, that I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on Jalen Johnson, but he's, he's definitely a guy who I view him elite as far as winning one-on-one matchups. So the secondary, I mentioned several players there. Eddie Jackson, it's hard to evaluate where he's at at this point in his career, but until his injury last season, Eddie Jackson was performing back at a Pro Bowl level, taking the football away, supporting the run with physicality, and we'll just see where Eddie Jackson is in that regard if, if he's still kind of the Eddie Jackson of old that he showed he could be through the first half of last season before he had to leave the rest of the year with an injury. So secondary, I think you're in good shape there. Not a lot of additional moves need to be made, aside from just 
figuring out a contract with Jalen Johnson. Linebacker, you know, you spend some money at linebacker, really like what T.J. Edwards uh, has done here as of late. And I think Tremaine Edmonds is definitely a good football player, an elite-level athlete who's an above-average off-ball linebacker. I don't think he's an elite linebacker in football as far as just splash plays that you would really hope for there. But I like both those guys as linebackers. Defensive line, Montez Sweat, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that he'll become more and more impactful. I thought he had a couple of nice moments in the game today rushing the quarterback. But as I've been asked about this multiple times here in recent days, whether it was Friday, Bears Unleashed with Gabe Ramirez and Cassie Carlson, whether it's this morning with Luke Canellis over on Fox 32, you know, Montez Sweat is not, he's not a Julius Peppers level football player. Julius Peppers is probably going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, at some point here. That, that's not Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat is not Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack may end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame at some point here. Like he's, you know, Khalil Mack was the, the most deadly edge defender in football for several seasons. That's not Montez Sweat. He got a big contract, but the salary cap is going up and the value of the position continues to uptick. And, you know, he had the Bears. I think it was Potsy who mentioned having the Bears over a bit of a barrel. I think all those things end up being true. So I don't have an issue with four years and right around $100 million. That's the value for that position for a guy who is amongst the best in the sport. But, you know, I think the the production as a pass rusher today wasn't very different than what I expected. You know, if you haven't watched Montez Sweat very closely, you, you may have been disappointed with what you saw today as a pass rusher. I think he'll flash. He's a, a big-time athlete, but he's not one of these guys who's just a, a hellacious edge rusher that just constantly gets to the corner and, and quickly flips his hips and is around the quarterback consistently. But he's got long levers. He knows how to use them, and he can consistently impact the pocket, whether with power with speed, with violent hands. He's definitively, he's, he's the best pass rusher the Bears have as soon as he walks in the door. But don't expect him, and I said this uh, to Gabe and Cassie on Friday on, on Fox 32 on Unleashed, don't expect Khalil Mack. Like that, that early, that first season of Khalil Mack here with, with Chicago, don't expect that as a pass rusher. That's not who Montez Sweat has ever been at this point in his career. But they got a high-level defensive end. They got a guy who is their best pass rusher on the squad. They got somebody who can be a centerpiece around a much better pass rush. But as you look at the game today, Derek Carr didn't spend a whole lot of time under duress. Derek Carr didn't spend much time on the ground, even with the addition of Montez Sweat. But he is a guy who I do think, to Jesse the caller's question, he certainly upgrades the Bears as far as someone who wins their one-on-one matchups. On offense, DJ Moore. Um, I like, there were multiple times where Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright next to each other on the offensive line. They can move people. At whatever point Nate Davis is healthy and you get him in at right guard, you flip Tevin Jenkins back over to left guard. It's good to see Braxton Jones back out there at left tackle. Whatever this false start thing is that he's got going right now, man, they have got to get that figured out. But Braxton Jones still has, in my opinion, great potential to be like a legit find for the Bears as a left tackle. He's he's got to move when the ball gets snapped or maybe just an eyelash before the ball gets snapped. But just all all these infractions on Braxton Jones is a problem. I do like that they had some rotation going with him and Larry Borm. They didn't want to overexpose a guy who had a neck injury and just kind of ease him back in. But Braxton Jones, I I still like his potential there as a left tackle. But on the whole, who are your guys who you say, all right, that's somebody we're building around because we know we've got an advantage there for one-on-one. I think there's a lot of those guys in the secondary. There's probably one on the defensive front that they've added Montez Sweat. 
on offense, maybe a couple of offensive linemen. Maybe Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright at least physically show that potential there. And then in the end, quarterback. Like Justin Fields, your starting quarterback, is the guy who who scares defenses when they game plan for him. He certainly scares them with his legs. And then you see where now that that there's more film on Tyson Bagent and there's like the one deep ball where he overthrows DJ Moore. The reason he overthrows DJ Moore is not because he has exceptional arm strength. It's because he has to throw the ball so flat to get it 45 yards in the air down the field that there's no chance for DJ Moore to adjust to it. So that, that's where, again, the arm strength aspect of it ends up playing a big factor in how Tyson Bajan has to play quarterback. But defenses aren't afraid of Tyson Bajan because, yeah, he'll, he can mount a 10-12 play drive for you, but he has to be so pristine, so precise in doing so. And it's difficult for a rookie, to, it's difficult for any quarterback to be able to do that consistently throughout four quarters of a game in the way that Bajan at this point in his development, just has to methodically march the ball down the field and everything has to go well because he's not, he hasn't shown that he can effectively throw it over your head on a consistent basis with accuracy and arm strength. And he certainly hasn't shown that he's going to be able to run away from you and put touchdowns on the board either. So in the end, on defense, there's a number of guys who I'll put in that, that category that have the potential to develop there or like a Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat who are already there. On offense, it's more limited uh, to to the question about which guys on this roster can really win those matchups. Ryan Pohl's playing hardball right now. I get it to a certain extent. Getting Montez Sweat done, that gives them some some leverage, some leeway, some versatility in what they can potentially get done with um, you know, with Jalen Johnson moving forward here. And it's an opportunity for the rest of the season for Jalen Johnson to prove that he is potentially worthy of one of those top cornerback contracts in football. And I hope he does been calling his games since he was in college uh, I really I like his game I'm not going to compare him with you know he's not the best corner in football he said he's not trying to reset the corner market so I, I'm confident I, I do believe the Bears and Jalen Johnson will figure something out here and I hope that his his ball production his statistical production on the football ticks up even more we see more interceptions from Jalen Johnson toward you know down the stretch of the season here and he earns you know perhaps even a bigger contract it's a good opportunity for both he and the bears to really see what that true value ends up being here appreciate all of you tuning in for the post post show after another bears defeat here but i try to give you some context on some of these things because there are things to look forward to for the remaining stretch of the bears football season here even though they are two and seven but what will this roster look like moving forward there's plenty to evaluate there i evaluate alex coon as being a high level producer for this show and i thank him for that sunday night football coverage is on the way here cincinnati Bengals and the buffalo bills and then of course tomorrow is a football monday here on the scores i hope you tune in for all of that tune in all day monday for reaction to bears and and saints gabriel mears will be live overnight from 12 to 5 followed by mully and hall bernstein and Holmes, and parkinson beagle throughout your work day so hang out with us on a plumbers 911 football monday presented by Busey bank and it's not a game illinois.com all of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. I'm Anthony Aaron. This has been the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 